When you're running a sale in Shopify, you create coupon codes, right? That's just one more thing for your customers to deal with. What if instead you could automate price changes and promotions? That's exactly what Bold's product discount app does. It's one of my longtime favorites from Bold, and if you need to run any kind of sale, this is the app to do it. You can run sales by hand-selecting products, a collection, a vendor, a product type, or even the entire store. And when you run sales, you can schedule them to start and stop at certain times. And there's an, even an option to put a live countdown timer on the products on sale. So it's perfect for daily deals. Sale ends in 4 hours, 3 minutes, 21 seconds, and counting. Imagine the urgency this can create. So one of the automation features I really like is this app's ability to put sale icons and badges on sale products, then automatically tag them when it puts them on sale, and remove the tag when they're off sale. So this lets me create a clearance or deals of the day section by making a Shopify collection where the product tag equals daily deal, and then the product automatically appears and disappears from it when it's on and off sale. And these sales pages are consistently one of the most visited pages on the stores that have them. So from power hour sales, daily deals, countdown timers, clearance corners, and more, just about every store can benefit from some kind of sale that this app can run. Before your next sale, grab it free for 60 days at ethercycle.com bold. That's ethercycle.com bold. Additional support for the unofficial Shopify podcast comes from SEO Manager. You know the benefit of SEO. The higher you rank in search engines, the more visitors your store will have. And more visitors means more sales, which means more money in your pocket. But how do you do that? That's where SEO Manager comes in. It helps Shopify store owners get found in search engines. And it's trusted by thousands of Shopify stores. It leads the market in both innovation and usability. And it's no wonder. SEO Manager adds an entire suite of tools to help attract new customers by fully optimizing your store. So here's a few of my favorites. It scans your site for SEO issues, offers keyword suggestions, adds structured data support, analyzes missing pages and redirects, and it even integrates with Kit, Shopify's personal marketing assistant. And that's not all. It does a whole bunch of more stuff. All of these things will help you to be easily found in Google and other search engines. And best of all, it's easy to get started. You can launch SEO Manager on your store in minutes, and their friendly support team is always on standby if you need help. Plus, as a special offer to our listeners, you can get SEO Manager right now for 10% off forever. Sign up at seomanager.com unofficial. That's seomanager.com slash unofficial. Hello and welcome to the unofficial Shopify podcast. I'm your host, Kurt Elster, recording from beautiful Skokie, Illinois, it is hard to say the phrase beautiful Skokie, Illinois. There's just something about that name that does not sound beautiful. But I promise we're in Old Orchard Mall. It's really cool. If you're in the mall, I may or may not have time to get breakfast with you. Email in advance. Anyway, okay. Um, what are we discussing today? Well, in the past, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about content marketing, and we talk about user experience, and we talk about all the fun ways to make you more money and inspirational journeys. Today, we're going to look toward the future. Only the future is now. We're talking about a, a technology that I was dismissive of three years ago as I'm like, eh, this is too soon. And that's VR and AR, virtual reality and augmented reality. And then you know, I was starting to think it's kind of cool. Maybe I should, I should get a VR headset. I played, played with one at Shopify headquarters. It blew my mind. I thought it, like I just could not believe how cool it was. And it is getting rapidly more excessive and more accessible and advanced and neat and I'm starting to get really, really excited about it. And then, recently in May, I went to Unite. And I saw, that's the shop, big Shopify conference. It was fun. Um, and we saw a demo of the recent advances in AR. And it completely blew my mind. I was like, oh my god, it actually works as advertised. This is the real deal. Only I wasn't just looking at a demo. I was looking at a real live app that I was then able to download that day and play with and demo in my own home in exactly the same way it was demoed for me. So the future's already here. I'm like, oh, this is incredible. And now we've got clients talking about it. I'm getting very excited about it. I'm itching to play with it, but I don't know enough to mess with it. So there is one man who is way, way more equipped than me to talk about it. And that is Shopify's own Daniel Beauchamp, 
who gave me the demo, who spoke at the keynote at Unite, which was absolutely fantastic because you could see the enthusiasm, the enthusiasm and the excitement and watching him light up when he did it uh, and demoed it for me. But let's see if we can get some of that enthusiasm here ourselves today. Daniel, hello. Welcome. Hello. Hey, thanks for having me on the show. My pleasure. Hey, what's, uh, tell us real quick, what is your current position at Shopify? Yeah, so I am currently the head of AR and VR at Shopify, so exploring how these technologies are going to change the way that we shop and run our businesses. Did you start uh, as head of VR AR there, or did you start in a different position? I started in a different position. So I started at Shopify close to eight years ago. Wow, a long time. Yeah, yeah, it's been a long time and have seen many different roles, uh, starting off on our internal tools team, so building our own call center software, our own expensing software, bonus software. We were kind of in this phase where we were building everything internally. Um, so started off doing that and then worked on core and then worked as a data analyst, but for the past three years now have been doing exclusively VR and AR stuff. Tell me a little bit, how did that happen? I think like a lot of companies, would be e- it would be easy to dismiss it as, well, this is a fad, it's a flash in the pan, or like I thought, I would say, it's cool, but it's too soon. And you were able, either you or you know, the organization was able to get behind it very rapidly. Um, do you got any insight as to how that was able to happen? Yeah, so VR has come and gone in several different waves. And the most recent wave, starting around four years ago with the Oculus Rift DK1 coming out, really got me excited, but more importantly, got our CEO, Toby, really excited about it too. And him and I would be geeking out over this new device that was coming out, and we were just like, oh my goodness, VR is finally here. This is finally uh, a, a direction for VR and hardware for VR that is going to stick around because finally it doesn't make you um, as motion sick. It feels uh, it feels really immersive and it feels like they're getting all the components right and they're in the right direction. So we started talking a lot about VR and the impact for um, you know gaming and entertainment, but then it's like, wait a minute, what would the impact be for how we shop? And because I had you know Toby's buy-in into VR and I was really passionate for it, I, made a pitch to him saying, listen, Toby, this is going to be huge. This has the potential of being a new medium that we need to start exploring and start understanding so that we can be ready for it when it actually hits mainstream. So I made the pitch to him and he said, go for it. Build a team, do what you need to do to to take this as an idea and actually build it out into Shopify. Oh, so <laughs> sounds like uh, that actually was surprisingly easy to pull off, which is good. Correct. Um, Correct. And it's one of those things where, like, once you play with it and you experience it in person, like, seeing is believing. You know, hearing about it, seeing demos, watching it. Like, I remember seeing the the Oculus Rift Kickstarter and then hearing they got bought by Facebook and being, you know, excited but not like, wow, really, you know, amazed having that that epiphany moment. And then the moment I actually played with... um, an HTC Vive, I was like, holy crap, this is cool. But it was still like, this is gaming, or this is this is an entertainment device. And AR on our phone still kind of sucked. Like, it, you got the idea, but it looked very much like Pokemon Go, where it's like, this is an overlay on a camera, who cares? Like, it's a, an advanced sticker. And then, you showed me this tech demo. Uh, that it, just, it blew my mind. My mind. Um, but we, we won't do it justice, I and mean, maybe we got a link to it. We could, yeah, we can link to it in the show notes. But walk me through it. What, walk me through that that the demo, that wow moment. You're talking about the demo at Unite. Yes, sir. Okay, so um, the demo at Unite was using augmented reality. It was using technology that Apple released about a year ago called ARKit, and that's technology that allows you to place virtual items in front of you using your phone. And why that changed the game in terms of why why it became so important is because Apple's tech and also Google's tech they have uh, AR Core, which is their um, their offering for AR. It 
maintains the correct scale and size of an object. So before ARKit came out, there were AR apps. I mean, I could go back to, to 2012, 2011, there were apps out there that they kind of sucked because you would place something, let's say on the floor in front of you, and it'd be jittering around, it wouldn't stay in position, and the size of it was sort of estimated. Now for maybe a game, that's fine. But for something like shopping, where you need to say, well, is that couch actually that size, you want it to be one to one true scale with what it will be in real life. And if you walk around it, you don't want it drifting around, you don't want it resizing and, and glitching out, you want it to be reliable. And that's exactly what AR kit uh, offered developers the ability to create these robust AR experiences, and you could actually say this thing is a meter wide, it will look a meter wide. Uh, and that, that, that is a very good description of how it was and what the issue was. It was in the past you'd have like, it kind of worked, but the moment the object moved differently than the camera or placement, and jitter is the right word, the illusion is broken. Whereas this new thing, it, it were, imagine, um, you know, I did the demo for my wife, and we had there's just a we're uh, it was that night we had the lights turned down, and this thing worked perfectly. I was able to show on our ottoman a um, correctly sized I think it was like a chest or something um, on sitting on our ottoman and like move pan around it with my phone and move in and out and see the detail and it was perfect. It looked completely realistic. If I had screenshotted it and sent it to you in a message. You you would not question. You would just accept that that was there, and that's what was so cool about it. Exactly. So um, when we saw that technology, we're like, perfect. AR is finally in a state that we can start using it for these compelling commerce experiences. And the first thing we built uh, before we built the one at Unite, uh, the first thing we built was with a merchant of ours called Magnolia Market. They're a home goods and accessories uh, brand. Uh, you may be familiar with Chip and Joanna Gaines from Fixer Upper. I was going to say, their, you're, you're underselling it. That, that's, their, that's their brand. And, and we worked with them to add AR functionality to their app. So when you open up their Magnolia Market app, uh, you could scroll through the various home goods and furnishings they have. And for certain items, you'd be able to tap on it and then say preview in your home. And that's when you, let's say you're looking at a vase and saying, I wonder how big this is or how it will look on my coffee table. You could then, as if by magic, make it appear on your table and you could walk around it, see how it fits. But like you mentioned, it looks so realistic. You can go up to it, you can see the details and you're doing it in a very intuitive way. I mean, people know how to take a picture with their, their phone and if they want a different angle, they just move their phone. Well, with this, it's the same thing. If you want to see that product from the back, you just walk around the back and you want to go closer, just move your phone closer. It was this really intuitive way for people to interact with these 3D objects as though they were actually there in real life. And that was what we built at the end of last year. But for Unite, we wanted to take it one step further. And we worked with uh, a partner uh, in the Shopify ecosystem called Tapcart. They build uh, mobile apps out of Shopify stores. And we, or they were working with a, a large fashion merchant called Fashion Nova. And we're trying to figure out a way to add AR to it. And the concept that we, ended up uh, creating was these virtual flat lays. So flat lays are this really popular thing right now on Instagram of you lay out your clothes on the ground or on your bed or on a surface in front of you, and then you take a picture top down. So you sort of see this outfit like in front of you. And, and they're really popular because you could say, hey, this is my daily outfit, or hey, this is a new collection that's coming out, and you could you could mark them up and say which items are which, and it's kind of like a little lookbook, but the way it's laid out is quite unique. And we're like, well, could we do that with AR, where let's say a brand like Fashion Nova comes out with a new collection, you'd actually be able to lay out those clothes in front of you on the ground or on a table or wherever, get up close and see the details, but kind of start creating these outfits. And then if you like them, then you say, oh, actually, I really like that shirt. I like those shoes. I'm going to buy them. But what's really mind blowing, and this ties into how realistic it looks, is you can start combining it with real items. So let's say Fashion Nova comes out with a new sweater and you're like, okay, I want to build an outfit with that sweater. So you take the sweater, the 3D model of it, and you place it on the table in front of you. 
and then you take the belt, let's say a new belt from Fashion Nova, and you place it there. But then you actually have your real shoes and maybe your real shorts. Well, you could put your real shoes and your real shorts on the table alongside those virtual items and then take a photo, and you wouldn't be able to tell which ones are real and which ones are virtual. And that's this really sort of mind-blowing thing to say, wow, like that's how far the technology has come, that if you have really photorealistic 3D models, you can start combining them with, with real items and not being able to tell the difference. And that's like, it's almost a Turing test of sorts, where it, the, the classic test to say, well, is, can you tell the difference between an AI, an artificial intelligence, and a person via chat? This is, the, I think this is the, the AR equivalent to that is, can I put my AR object and my real world object into a space and screenshot it? Will it look believable? And in all of the cases I've seen this, it absolutely does. And obviously, you're right, it depends on, on the detail of the model and I'm sure a few other things. But just playing with it randomly, it worked, it always worked incredibly well for me. So um, that covers it. And- Go ahead. I was just going to add that one of the things that uh, Apple is adding to this year's release of ARKit, so they're coming out with ARKit 2 with the release of iOS 12, is actually better light estimation of what's your environment so that it can better create the reflections on the virtual objects. So the the example they gave was, uh, I think at WDC, they had apples on a table, real apples on a table, but then they put a virtual metal bowl next to them. And you actually saw the reflection of the apples inside that reflective metal bowl, even though like the bowl is completely virtual. And what it's doing is it's using the camera to understand the scene better and notice, okay, there's an object next to it, a real object that is red, that given the lighting conditions would probably be giving off this amount of light. And then turning that into to data that can use to generate accurate reflections. It, it's incredible. It looks like uh, in the current version, it's able to do um, like work around brightness. Um, mm-hmm. I wasn't looking for anything with reflections, but I di- it did seem to um, take an ambient light into consideration, or am I imagining things? No, it does. So in the first version of ARKit, it does ambient light estimation. So if your room is darker, it will darken the 3D objects in the scene. But uh, if you were to have, let's say, a really big spotlight. Like let's say if you went um, on the beach and you wanted to place that magnolia vase on the sand, you wouldn't necessarily see a bright light from the sun reflecting on that ceramic. That's crazy. (laughs) The idea that it could do it, like just do something like that so complicated simply as part of an SDK and in real time on these consumer devices. Oh my gosh, that's wild. And And I'll add that with the Magnolia Market app, I'd say... 80% 80% of it was sample code from Apple. I mean, the app itself was built by a partner for Magnolia, but the AR component, a lot of that was just the sample code that Apple released because <laughs> it's so easy to just get started. If all you want to do is say, I want to place a virtual object in front of me, that code is out there and you don't have to go through tons of SDK documentation to figure out how that works. The stuff that we're adding on top of it, though, is the ability to have those 3D models be stored on Shopify. And then you'll actually be able to pull in those 3D models that you store on Shopify right into the experience. So I want to back up a little bit, um, since we very rapidly geeked out about it. And I'm I'm proud of that, that geek enthusiasm we had. But for the people who are not giant dorks, what's the difference between AR and VR? We threw on these two two-letter... Uh, abbreviations. What the heck's the difference? I'm glad you asked. So with virtual reality, and once again, this is one of those things like you mentioned, it's unless you try VR, you're not really going to get it. And a lot of people think that like if they've never tried VR before, they'll go, oh, is it like a 3D movie? I don't like those. So I'm not going to like VR. And it's just so important to realize that it's nothing like a 3D movie. It is this immersive technology. You put on these goggles and you feel like you are in another location. And you can, with with these VR headsets like the HTC Vive and the Oculus Rift, you can walk around. So if you had a, a virtual scene, 
and you can walk around the scene, you can crouch down, you can look at things from any angle, you have hand controllers so you can pick, pick things up, you can interact with it. But it's important to realize that everything you're seeing is virtual. So once you put on that headset, you could be on Mars, you can be designing the home of your dreams, you could be on the beach, you could be anywhere, but everything you're seeing is virtual. And the with all, oh sorry. And, oh. Yeah, the prices are dropping, the stuff's getting the hardware is getting more accessible. Um, like a year ago, an, an HTC Vive was like a thousand bucks. Now an HTC Vive is five hundred bucks. So they're rapidly you're going to see these things um, appearing more and more just in people's homes. Maybe and I think oftentimes they're going to start as a toy, but you're also going to I mean that's what I wanted it for, and you're going to see it in in workplaces. But if you wanted to just play with this right now, and you don't have uh, like me a couple of nerd friends who have them. Uh, a good way if you want to just demo it, try it out, play with it yourself, see what the future may look like. Um, Best Buy, your local Best Buy will have a demo, should have a demo of either um, the Oculus Rift or the the HTC Vive. So you could go check it out, try it, um, just to to get an idea of where we're going with this. And really, even if you try it for a few minutes, I mean, it's quite extraordinary. Exactly. And I think the Microsoft Store also has the HTC Vive on display and a lot of cities now have VR arcades popping up. So book yourself an hour to just go wild on some of the games that are there. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I've seen a couple. Uh, yeah, I've seen VR arcades, which is cool. Um, I don't know what those cost. They can't be terribly expensive. And, yeah, you're right. We were at uh, last March. We went to Mall of America, and they had there was an entire, like, multiple different headsets on display that people were demoing, which was neat to see. Um, okay, so that's VR. How is that different from AR? So with augmented reality, you are keeping parts of your real world in view. So an example of augmented reality would be you're in your living room and you want to see what that vase looks like on your coffee table. Just the vase is going to be a virtual object. Everything around you is real and you, as is and as you'd expect, but you would also see this virtual 3D vase sitting on the table. Now, phone-based AR means that you're using a smartphone and you're holding the smartphone in front of you and it's as though you're just using the camera on your phone and you see everything as you would a normal camera, but then on the table you would see this little 3D object there. And as you move your camera around, the 3D object will always appear like it is just sitting there on the table as though it was actually there. But your whole... Oh, sorry. There is no... in this example, this instant, this implementation of AR, there is no special hardware. It's just I have my ordinary phone. Like I have an exactly. iPhone Seven Plus, so I'm already I'm two generations old. This thing and it worked completely fine. Nothing special done. Um, no special lighting. No Bluetooth add. Nothing. It's just my phone, and that's it. Exactly, and okay. that's why AR Kit and AR Core were these amazing additions to the. Um, ecosystem of AR and VR is because now you had hundreds of millions of devices across the world that can use it. I think it's the iPhone 6s and upwards supports AR kit. I think and like you and like yeah. you said you don't need any sort of special hardware or anything. You just if an app has an AR functionality and you have a 6s or higher, you can use it. So and clearly the two of us are um Obviously, Apple people, iOS people, uh, based on this discussion, does this stuff work um, on on Android for the, those darn green bubbles? It sure does. So AR Core is Google's answer to AR Kit, or I won't say answer to. It, it is their solution for reliable, robust, and impressive AR running on Android devices. And so, like the the things we're talking about here, which are very specific to like you know Magnolia. Marketplace is an iOS app. Will we see? We could see these same things on Android. Okay, just wanted to to make it clear. This is not just for the iPhone folks. Um, all right. Practical. Now, go ahead. That is that is phone based AR. So then there's a, a a different type of AR which is not using your phone, but it's using a headset similar to VR goggles. And so you might have heard of some of those headsets, like the Microsoft Hololens, I, the, Met, the I had, Meta, the Magic Leap. I had a friend who worked for this big agile development company in Chicago, and Microsoft brought it to them, let them use it and demo it. And I have video of him playing with this with the Hololens, and it's like the coolest thing I've ever seen. 
Yeah, and what I love about those devices is it doesn't feel like you're just looking at a phone. You're wearing this headset, so your hands are free. And more importantly, you get full depth perception. When you're using it on your phone, you're still looking at a flat 2D screen. Yes, the object is on the table, like it looks like it's actually there and it's a 3D model of it, but you don't get the same amount of depth and realism that you would with a VR headset or with an AR headset, because what what the, the visual going into your left eye is gonna be a bit different from the one going into your right eye to give you that proper depth perception and make you really feel like that object is there. An AR, um, an AR headset, which I don't, you know, I have not stayed on top of this stuff, um, that pract- when that hits practical applications, that's probably when I'll pull the trigger on this stuff. Think, like to imagine the possibilities of an AR headset. Just imagine uh, that, that interior helmet view that Tony Stark has in the Iron Man suit. And that's li- like, that is literally, it's science fiction, but that is an example of, um, that would be, that Iron Man helmet would be an AR headset. Um, and so once we see that proliferate and it is around the corner, like that could be built as a real thing, which is so cool. Exactly. And AR doesn't necessarily mean putting 3D objects in your space. It could also mean just augmenting the world around you. So in Tony Stark's case, he sees these augmentations as these little UI elements popping up saying, oh, there's an enemy over here, or this is how much fuel I have left, or here's a map or whatnot. The same could happen, right? You're, you're looking at a product in a store and the reviews pop up next to it and the price pops up next to it and all these sort of virtual elements are now augmenting that real object. All right, here, I'll, this is st- going further down this rabbit hole, but all right, I'll, here's a, a real world example that I match. I imagine like, all right, you know, maybe 10 years from now, we've got inexpensive AR goggles, headsets, and I just leave one on my workbench and you put it on. I put it on and I was, uh, last night I was, uh, I'm a huge, here I'm super dorky with my traveling stuff. This, this episode is just me geeking out. I apologize. Um, and I replaced the wheel, the hard plastic wheels on my luggage with rollerblade wheels. Cool. Now imagine, since we can measure, um, like AR kit can measure objects in real time with fair accuracy, it is not unreal to think you can make uh, AR safety goggles that, like, uh, I'm looking at, when I'm pulling those rollerblade wheels out, it's saying, all right, these are 63 millimeter wheels. It just has the measurement overlaid on there. And oh, I got to pop this ball bearing out. All right, the opening on that's five millimeters. Wow. Okay, that's not crazy anymore. That's around the corner. Um, but all right. Uh, and then to take that even further. Go a step further. Like, well, we could let- have like specs. We could have um, like the instructions on uh, like the tech specs or the exploded view overlaid. All right, you go ahead. Well, let's say you need a little bit of help. And your buddy is an expert at exactly what you're doing. At luggage and you're repair. Like, oh, I need help. And you can call your buddy and he sees what you see and he can actually start annotating parts. Like, oh, you need to grab this and do this and this and this. And you're just seeing all that happening overlaid on top of the actual product. Let's say he's wearing the same AR headset somewhere and he gets a virtual view of the same thing. So he's got exactly. my luggage in front of him, only his is AR. Yep. Oh my gosh. I'm a, all right, let's go build this. Let's do it. Uh, okay, so now that we're we're all all excited, I'm all hot and bothered about it. What does this mean for the way we shop? How is it going to change the way we shop? So before I jump into that, I just want to wrap up one thing. Oh, about all right, a, go ahead. AR and VR. It's so as I said, VR it's fully virtual, and AR is you have the real world, and then you add virtual items in it. It's not an either or. And a lot of people fall into this trap where they go, oh, well, AR is going to be so much better than VR, so I'm only going to care about AR. Or VR is better than AR. It's like this war going on that doesn't need to happen because eventually both of these technologies are just going to find themselves in the same device. And AR to VR becomes a spectrum. Let's say you're at home and you want to see whether a couch fits in your house. So you use AR. Let's say you're wearing AR goggles. Use AR to make that couch appear in front of you. Great, so your world is 90% real and 10% virtual, and that 10% is that big couch that's a 3D object. 
So that would be that case where you're using AR. But if you wanted to look for a tent, you're going on this camping trip and you need to find the perfect tent for you. Well, maybe you don't want to see that tent in your living room. You want to see that tent uh, in the forest or on the mountain that you actually be using it in. So your world would actually be 100% virtual. Around you, you see that mountainy forest, snowy forest or whatever, and you see the tent in front of you and everything's virtual. So 100% virtual and 0% real. But maybe you want to keep your coffee table around, like your real coffee table, because that's where your coffee is. And you don't want to run into your dog, so you want to see your dog as well. So your world is 80% virtual and 20% real. And you're playing with that spectrum where you get to decide how much of reality do you keep and how much do you want to leave behind. And eventually devices will just be able to accommodate. Like, oh, do you want everything in your world to be virtual? Cool. Do you want 50% to be virtual? Cool. And then it's not this thing of like AR versus VR. It's just depending on the experience and maybe even your preferences, it's how much of reality do you want to keep and how much do you want to leave behind. Very cool. Um, yeah, you're right. There is... Um they won't, over time, they'll converge. They won't be mutually exclusive. And we're starting to see that in, um, and you would know better than I do, aren't like the, ne the next generation of these VR goggles going to have um, cameras built into it so you could essentially do overlays in the real world? So they already do have cameras built in. Oh, okay. The, pr the problem with the current gen of VR headsets is you need a powerful PC. They're expensive headsets. They're still wired and they're a bit clunky. So the audience that that's targeting is going to be gamers, it's going to be enthusiasts, and it's not going to be mass market. I don't see the headsets of tomorrow looking like they do right now. Like the headsets that will eventually be socially acceptable to walk around with and like affordable enough that everyone has them, they're not going to look like the HTC Vive and the Oculus Rift now. Like they're going to be sleeker, they're going to be more affordable, they're going to look cooler. Uh, I can't tell you how long that's going to take, but it's coming. I think, yeah, we're ideally we want to see things going back toward like Google Glass, but understandably, um, I mean, well, Google Glass went nowhere. Probably it was ahead of its time. But the, um, I mean, yeah, the, if you look at these goggles now, it's like, oh, okay, this guy just turned himself into a cyborg. It's not, it's not a good look. Right. But what I really like is how Apple and Google, they're taking the baby steps required to get people used to the idea of AR. So before you just jump right into these crazy goggles you have to put on, well, it's phone-based. And people start understanding how to interact with 3D objects. And, oh, they walk around them and you want to get closer. You actually just move your phone in closer. Neat. So they're getting used to that. And they're getting used to trying to augment their world. They just announced at WWDC these new uh, emojis. I think they're like memojis, they're called. And you can make these avatars of yourself. And, and now people will, will, might start doing these FaceTime calls with their avatars. So people are starting to get used to talking to like a 3D character. So by the time that these goggles come around, where it's like, oh, all the things you've been doing, like talking to 3D avatars and placing 3D objects in your scene, you can now do all of that hands-free using this new device. People are now going to be a bit more warmed up to the idea of 3D and AR. Hmm. You're right. I had not, it had not even occurred to me. So like, if you've played with Animoji on an iPhone 10, they're neat. It's pretty cool. Um, it is the Memoji is essentially you can make your own Animoji readily, easily, and supposedly it, it works incredibly well. I've not, I have, I don't have an iPhone 10 or, and I'm not willing to mess with uh, the iOS 12 preview. But man, it is like that's another thing that is literally months away from just people will have that in their pocket. So that this technology is rapidly proliferating and democratizing itself. Exactly, and how it's going to affect commerce is right. That AR was the question we were going for before. Exactly. How how is it going to change the way that people shop? Yes. So already it's starting to improve the way that people shop. When you're shopping online, one of the big questions is, is this thing going to fit on me or is this thing going to fit in my space? How big is this thing? In, you'd like to see it in person, but the convenience of online means that you know, you're just going to stay at home, you're just going to use your phone, you're going to use your laptop to buy the thing. But if there was a way to visualize that thing without having to go to a store and see it right in front of you as though it was there in real life, that's the type of stuff that AR can start helping out with. 
And now that it's available on these hundreds of millions of devices around the world, more and more people are going to start saying, oh, wait a minute, like if I'm going to buy this expensive couch online, I want to have that AR view so I can have more confidence. AR and VR for shopping is going to just lead to more confidence when purchasing things. I see the big, um, especially with uh, expensive high-touch objects, it, it's going to be helpful. Um, but even right now, if you just had, like, what, what's the big difference between shopping on your phone and in-store? I have to rely on a description, people's reviews, which are really just an extension of that description, right? You just keep reading review after review on Amazon until you feel like, oh, I have a sense of this. And then you combine that with uh, product photos, maybe a video. I mean, there's still, we use video depressingly um, not enough at all when it's readily accessible. And then occasionally you get lucky and you see a 3D object to 3D view. And that's very helpful because you can zoom in and out and spin it around. But I still can't that, I still can't play with it, touch it, feel it, see it in my house. And that's AR starts to bridge that gap. And I think where this is really going to make a big difference, um, number one, you're like, I think certainly uh, home goods, and that seems to be where we're seeing it a lot, in that like, oh, how is this furniture going to look in my house? I don't have to go to a showroom anymore. That Using AR to shop for furniture is both more convenient and um, more uh, more useful than going to look at furniture in a showroom, because I could see it in my own house to see if it fits. I mean, have you ever, that, there's always that, that terrible feeling, well, here, I'll throw my, um, my business partner under the bus. We, he bought a bunch of furniture for his apartment online, and it's all good and all nice. Couch shows up. It looks like a miniature couch. It's like a weird, this, you know, and this, like, our, um, we have a, a family friend who's an interior designer. She's like, you know, you could pick the right furniture. You could find it. The thing that people screw up is the sizing, and especially the size in relation to itself. Well, imagine if you could, if I could go on a site like Wayfair or All Modern, pick my furniture out, and then just see it placed as I wanted in my room at the right size. That avoids those concerns entirely, especially on a high-ticket item like furniture. And that's what we, in e-commerce, growing your store, removing those pains, problems, friction points, um, has always been a great way to grow um, and improve uh, ROI and return on ad spend by just making a better experience for your existing store without having to scale traffic. And so you've got these objections, and the objection, the core objection to someone shopping in e-commerce is, I don't know if this is right for me, regardless of what that thing is. And that's what we see um, see these technologies going to solve. So. Um, can you, like, but but we, there is a barrier right now. Okay, let's hear it. In that AR Kit and AR Core both require to be run inside native apps. And that's a problem for a lot of merchants who right. don't have a native app. And it's also a problem for the consumer where you've probably been in this situation a bunch. You're online and you go to a store and this big pop-up says, hey, download our mobile app. And you're like, no, I'm not downloading your app. You I never have do. have a responsive website. Never. Let me just use your website. Exactly. So if every store you went to was like, hey, download like our three gigabyte app for an AR experience <laughs> or, or for VR, you're just going to dismiss it. So you need to make it as easy as possible for someone to just say, oh, I want to see what this couch looks like. And a second later, it's in their space. Right. And the, the technologies that are making that happen... So there's this spec that uh, a lot of the, the browsers are working on called Web AR and Web VR. I think now it's just called Web XR. And it's the ability to run AR and VR experiences right within your browser. So you'd go on a store, you'd look at a couch, you'd say, I want to see this, preview in my home, and then your, your camera would just turn on and then you could just point at your floor and, and spawn that couch right there. That technology is not there yet. It is a spec that the browsers are going to be slow to adopt. I don't know when Apple's going to adopt it. They are fairly slow on doing that. But as a stopgap solution, Apple has announced at WWDC this introduction of a new file format, so a 3D file format called USDZ. And what it allows you to do is if you have a model of that couch in that format and you have it on your store. So let's say you have the product image and then in the HTML you have that file format tag and you're using Safari, you'll see this little pop-up when you go on the page saying, hey, do you want to see this in 3D? And you can click on it and launch that AR experience. So it is happening on the web. You don't have to download your own app, 
but it's only going to work within Safari. Okay. So if I'm, um, is that Safari Desktop, Safari Mobile, or both? Do you know? Both. Safari Desktop's only going to allow you to do like a, an interactive view of the 3D object, so you can just spin it around with your mouse. But if you're on mobile, then you can do the AR mode. And could we do this stuff now with plugins? No. No? Okay. Well, yes, yeah, sorry. The 3D view, you could. So if right. all you want is just a spinning 3D object, that exists today. That you can put on your store and it'll work on mobile, work on desktop. But having access to your camera and having access to AR kit so that you can place objects in your world at their correct size, that is something that you can't currently do in browsers, even with plugins. Okay, so the plugin really is not even a stopgap solution, but it is a stepping point in that you would have the 3D object that could later be used um, as uh, this AR proliferates. Exactly. So is that, in the future, how, if I'm a Shopify merchant, how am I going to use this? Yeah, so there's actually an even bigger barrier than how do people view the object. It's how do merchants even get the 3D object, right? Like <laughs> that was going to be my follow-up question, but all right, yes, that is the the big problem here. Is okay, you know, I could tell you, hey, here's a, a great way. Um, you know, like here's a here's a hundred octane gas that's going to make your Ferrari run great. All right, well, how do I get my Ferrari? Um, so we're talking about all these amazing technologies, and you can get them and use them today. But we need the 3D object. We need the thing to use in the technology. I'm not a 3D modeler. I don't know anything about 3D modeling. How do I do it? How does that work? Yeah, so what we're looking to add to the Shopify ecosystem and what we're already in the process of adding are partners who can actually do 3D modeling on behalf of merchants. So traditionally on Shopify, if you need help with legal, business, theme development, you need help in anything, there are experts out there at your disposal to help you out. But 3D artists and 3D modelers, that's a new category that we're adding. And we're looking to make it as easy as possible for a merchant to say, I have these products here, I want 3D models of them, and to actually request 3D models to be made, and they just pay for those models, and it's done. That's our dream scenario. How far away is that? It is closer than you think. (laughs) Uh, Okay. at um, Unite this year, we talked about the release of the Services Marketplace. We're already starting to onboard 3D artists in there. We have a partner already out of Finland called Seiduck. They are this 3D modeling studio that can 3D model any product that you have. And they even have a 3D viewer. So if you just want to have a 3D viewer on your website so people can spin it with their mouse or use it on desktop, you have that. But the main thing is that they'll get you those 3D models. I have a, a client who, I don't know if they want, want me to share it, so I won't go into specifics, but they are starting to invest in this. Um, and they sell, uh, they have a line of home goods accessories, and they're starting to, um, they're going to use that, uh, a, a plug-in to do the 3D viewer, to have the spinner, um, you know, where people can look at the object. And uh, they're it is shockingly not expensive or difficult. Uh, they were able to find a 3D modeler, I believe in Japan, um, even though they're a U.S. company. And it, I think they said it worked out to, you know, I don't know how many total models they're doing or what the full agreement is. But it's roughly about, a for simple models, it's about 100 bucks. And in these cases, they're not even mailing them the, the physical product. They're sending them photos and specs. And I've seen the, the objects in the just the web view, the spinner, and they're incredible. Like, it, it works. So depending on what you're trying to model, um, obviously modeling something like a teacup is going to be significantly simpler and easier than, say, a incredibly detailed leather purse um, where you got to worry about, like, zippers and the texture and the gray and all that stuff. Um, but it is not, it's not going to be excessively expensive as I would have suspected. Exactly. So that sort of price range... Around a hundred dollars. Sometimes it can go up to you know two, three, four hundred bucks, depending on the complexity of the object. But that big benefit of not having to ship your product to Japan to get that artist to model it—that's huge. And we've seen a lot of 
early tests and merchants starting to, to use it where, yep, they just send two photos of the product. They send product dimensions and they send a photo from the front and from the side and the result is amazing. And of course there might be little tweaks here and there that need to be done, but it's like 99% of the way there. And in some cases, like you may, if you've gone through a process of manufacturing the product yourself, um, with working with clients like that, they will often have for you know the machining purposes, they're already halfway to um, their 3D model. It's often just like, all right, we gotta add textures to it. Um, so that you, know, you may be closer than you realize, depending on your situation. So I've got exactly now. All right, let's let's say I've got my 3D model. Um, you know, and at the high end, it costs me 400 bucks. Totally reasonable. What do I do with it? How am I going to use it now and in the future? Right. So that comes into what we announced at Unite, which is our 3D warehouse. And the 3D warehouse on Shopify is a place for you to upload your 3D models and actually store them with. Their, their associated products. So similar to how you have a photo and you make a new product on Shopify and you just drag in photos for that product, you'll be able to do that with 3D models. And then use our APIs to use those, those 3D models. One of the things that we're really excited about is people using it in AR experiences. So if you are developing a native app and using AR, you could actually pull in those 3D models using the Shopify SDK and, and have them appear within that experience. But then we're also looking at bringing in apps to our, our app store that allow you to have a 3D viewer. So if you want to replace your product photos with a 3D viewer or just have a 3D viewer available alongside product photos, you'll be able to do that and it will just pull from the warehouse and pull say, okay, it's this is this product, Here's a 3D model for it and display it right there on the page. Wow. Wow. That does not sound terribly complicated. No. And one of the things that 3D is really, really beneficial for and really worth the investment right now is if you have a product that has a lot of parts or customization to it. I've been to a lot of stores before online where you can customize it and, oh, they don't have a photo of that. Um, combination of options and I'm like well I don't really want to buy this without seeing what it is I'm about to to buy and for the merchant to go and let's say if you had 10 different fabric types or 100 different fabric types for a chair and you had 10 different finishes for the legs you could easily have you know thousands of combinations a merchant it'd be a real pain to have to take photos of every single one of those combinations or even in Photoshop to try to mask things out and swap out textures and generate different photos. With a 3D model, you could just have that chair. And then as you change variants, all it's doing is swapping the texture on, on the chair. And Oh, I'm changing the material on the legs. It's just changing the material on that 3D object. And so for customizers, there's huge benefit to having a 3D model. So you could, um, really what you're saying is a ideal use case here where things get really crazy is product configurators. That's where I would say 3D is like a no-brainer. If you have a product that has over 50 different combinations with the variants that you have for it, a 3D model will not only make it easier for you to like create or to have on your website, but also have consumers know what it is they're about to get. So you don't need to take hundreds of different photos of every single variant, and now your consumers will be able to see exactly the configuration that they made. Hmm. Hmm. All right. Let's. I want to do that today. How do I? What do I do? Where do I go? Or is there? Assuming I I got the 3D model, um, would this have to be built entirely custom, or is there an existing app or solution, or is this coming down the pipeline? So for those more complex customizers, that is something that a Shopify partner is going to have to do uh, because that's not something that we provide out of the box now. So if you are creating, let's say you sell boats and you have tons of different options and variants you can do on it, you will need to contact a Shopify partner who can do 3D custom work. Uh, but it is some, something that we are looking to see, well, how can we provide this sort of out of the box with uh, with some of our other AR, VR, and 3D offerings? Yeah, those 3D config configurators alone are expensive and difficult. Um, I've seen, we've been involved 
uh, with a few product configurators and pay like have someone paying you know anywhere between fifteen to thirty thousand to build a product configurator before three D you know was not crazy um, depending on complexity. So investing slightly but investing slightly more and adding three D to it, man, that would be cool. I would love to see um, a working demo. Of, of such a thing. I'm sure there's one out there. I just am not aware off the top of my head. Um, and then the fun thing is that once you have a 3D model, it's how versatile it is. So let's say you invest in getting 3D models for your online customizer. Well, now when Apple releases the USDZ support in Safari, allowing people to just open it up in AR in front of them, well, your 3D model can work there. And Facebook announced a few months ago they were supporting 3D posts. So you can actually drag a 3D model right into your Facebook timeline, and then people seeing it in their newsfeed will be able to spin it around, and soon they'll be able to launch AR as well. Which Instagram means... has support for it. Messenger has support for it. So having that 3D model means that you'll be able to use it on these new emerging AR and VR channels. That also means 3D ads are going to be coming down the pipeline. Sure is. <laughs> That's very cool. Um, Okay, so you've got if I invest the money, not a ton, into making a 3D model. Let's say just do your bestseller. Find your what is your your most profitable, your most revenue driving um, product. Let's use uh, 80/20 rule, Pareto's principle, and spend a couple hundred bucks on getting a 3D model made for that. Now we can feature that. We're ready as soon as these um, these technologies are available, and we could use um, the stopgap plugins to get the a 3D model displayed on your site today. Um, and really, that, that's quite so few people are, I would imagine so few people are investing in that. That's going to give you a, a significant competitive advantage there. Um, are there any other, like all of that stuff is uh, consumer facing. Like essentially, I'm building these 3D models and investing in this stuff as a, uh, in service to the customer. Is there anything I'm missing that you could do with these models or with, um, with these technologies? So another thing that you could do, and some of the big retailers out there are already doing, is actually generate photography from those 3D models. So I guess, once again, this is for the end consumer. But if you look at IKEA's catalogs, I think they, they said over 80% of it is all CGI. They just figured it's way easier for them to just have the 3D models and create 3D scenes and just render out images than for them to build out these elaborate sets and get photographers there. And, oh, if they got to change this, they got to add in new furniture. If they tear it down and then they want to reshoot it, they have to pull it up again. Using these 3D models, you can now create these scenes, generate photography, and to the end consumer, it's actually really hard, if not impossible, to notice if it's real or not, like if it's done right. Well, and it's not, yeah, it's not something you're looking for, and especially um, like seeing it as a photo on your phone. Like you're just, you're not going to stare at it hard enough to be like, I think this is a render, right? It just isn't the case. And especially if a single object in there is a render. Um, 10 years ago, I was super into automotive photography. I had a couple friends who were automotive photographers. And one of the trends they saw was they were brought in like with an ad agency to like storyboard a shoot. And there were situations where it just wasn't practical to get the car to the location. And the automotive photographer's job was simply to shoot the, um, or maybe the car wasn't even like ready for production yet. You know, they're pulling a Tesla. Um, the photographer would go to the location and shoot the shot based on the storyboard with no car there. And then after the fact, they would add it in as 3D model. And a lot, like, especially the magazine ads you see or brochure ads, a lot of those, you're looking at a composite. The car was never there, and it's, it's a 3D render. And it's just way easier to do it that way to get that perfect look when, you know, and it, it saves money when we spend not a ton, we spend much less on uh, rendering the car than we would on getting a helicopter to move it. So depending on what uh, you know, things you're selling, what your products are, this may just be a practical choice. Exactly. And, and it doesn't just benefit the end consumer. It can actually be immensely helpful to the merchant in the creation phase of these products. So let's say if you were wondering, uh, should we invest in making this couch in 20 different types of materials or fabrics or whatnot, you could actually just preview it in 3D 
and use it in AR and see it in front of you, even if the product doesn't actually exist yet in real life. So like product ideation, let's say you are coming up with this new product and you wanna say, oh, well, is this gonna feel too big on someone's table or is this gonna feel too clunky in person? Build it and then use it in VR. And you could bring in other business partners or other designers in, in a collaborative VR workspace and actually be interacting with a product as though it exists and it doesn't. So then you say, oh, actually we should make a change here, change this, and you're doing all this stuff and getting uh, feedback sooner before you actually have to send it off to get industrial samples back and then realize, oh crap, actually we should have done this differently. Right, and especially like if you're dealing um, with creating tooling, uh, you, you could easily spend just for like a small, um, you know, a small simple object, like say an iPhone case, you could easily spend five to $10,000 on tooling only to discover, eh, this isn't quite what we wanted. Um, or this isn't quite what consumers wanted. And one of the, um, you know, of our, of our three apps, the most popular by far is Crowdfunder, which is meant to enable pre-orders. And so you've got, um, with any kind of crowdfunding campaign, it is meant to reduce risk for the merchant in that, all right, we're going to validate that people want to buy the product. But to ensure success in people, especially in, you know, Kickstarter's been around a long time, and we've all probably been burned on a, a Kickstarter that never happened, you... It is a, the more realistic it looks in the um, pre-order campaign, the more likely you are to buy it because you're saying, hey, this thing is close to happening. It is close to reality. And having this, this 3D modeling um, is going to make that even more possible. And even if you had, um, like it, it would be cool to say, um, uh, to engage your customers to say, hey, we're considering, we're taking our most popular product and we're going to make this variation on it. You know, maybe it's like, we're going to make whatever in carbon fiber, or it's going to be in these different colors, it'll be this different feature. You could render that and show it to them without having for, you know, a tenth the cost of building the prototype. Um, and that's like, that's being uh, um, uh, cautious with the pricing. You know, it could be 120th or 150th. Um, exactly. It's exciting stuff. I, like, I would love, if I was backing a Kickstarter project, to be able to see the current prototype of whatever it is I'm buying like in front of me in AR, and over time, that prototype just evolves. So, oh, actually, we're, we're adding a new material. Like you said, oh, it's carbon fiber now. Or we're considering doing this and this, and I can see it in front of me. And that's really exciting and keeps me engaged throughout that uh, waiting process. Oh, yeah, you're right. That's... Yeah, keeping people engaged and enthusiastic through that process will get them sharing it, will get them, um, keep them happy along the way. You know, you don't want those angry messages as you've hit shipping or manufacturing delays, but also help keep the campaign going as people play, talk about it and place more pre-orders. And then maybe even provide really valuable feedback where if it is an item that you put in your space and you say, actually, you know, this design's not going to work for this type of use case, you can snap a photo of it, send it to them, and it's as though that product actually existed and you're, you're just giving them feedback before they're done creating it. I love it. Daniel, um, coming to the end of our time together, what's, what's one thing you wish every Shopify merchant would do? What would be the next best step here? When should they jump in? What should they do? How do they do it? One thing you wish they'd do. I would wish every merchant to try an AR experience or a VR experience so that they can start thinking about how these types of tools are going to help them better engage with their consumers or better create products or brainstorm with, with other business founders or whatnot. So try out the Magnolia Market app if you are on iOS and try out the AR functionality in there to get a good sense of what AR can do and the level of detail you can get and then start thinking about investing in getting 3D models for your, uh, for your products. Absolutely. Seeing is believing in the show. Um, if you want to see the great demo of this um, that I got so excited about. I showed my wife, like, oh, look at this. It was one of the, f when we got home, I, my butt hit the couch after you night. It was literally one of the first things I did. I'm like, you got to see this thing. Um, I've linked to it in the show notes or just open up the app store on your phone and search Magnolia Market. Um, not all the products have it, but I think they have a, a category um, that you can access that's like, see it in your home um, and, and give it a try. I mean, literally, you just have to get the app and that's it. Um, and it, it will give you a, 
a perfect great idea of what we're discussing here and you can hold the future in your hands this is already here this is happening now daniel thank you for joining us this has been enlightening Thank you so much. And you can also head to Shopify.com 3D to sign up to get more information about it and to register your interest in getting 3D models for your store. And where could people learn more about you, get any of your writings, etc.? So that is on our Medium publication. So that is medium.com slash Shopify dash VR. And I'll send it to you so you can add it to the show notes. I have... Man, I already found it, added it, and I was hoping it's what you would bring up so that I wouldn't have to do it. Wonderful. Daniel, thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much. Before we go, I wanted to tell you about the one Shopify theme I've used more than any other. It's called Turbo by Out of the Sandbox. And as its name implies, it's built for speed. But that's not why I love it. I love it because it's the most configurable feature pack theme for Shopify today. Features like predictive search, easy mega menus, infinite scrolling collections, and a ton of page templates for all of your content. And I've got a special offer for you. You can get it today at a 20% discount when you use the code PODCAST20. You can even try it for up to two weeks, and if you don't love it, Out of the Sandbox will refund it for you. So to check it out now, go to ethercycle.com turbo and use code PODCAST20 at checkout. It's ethercycle.com turbo. The program was produced today by Paul Rita. The unofficial Shopify podcast is distributed by EtherCycle LLC. We'll be back next week with more value bombs for Shopify store owners. If you're looking for more high quality and actionable advice on learning the business of e-commerce, join thousands of other Shopify store owners on our totally free newsletter at eCommerce Bootcamp. That's eCommerce-Bootcamp.com.